Who could imagine? Now, none of us are going to raise the Savior of the world. Mary did that. But it does matter because you don't know who you're raising. It matters. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Luke chapter number 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 5. If uh, you are physically able, if you'll stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 5. Luke 1 and verse 5. We'll go ahead and allow the children to be dismissed to junior church and to toddler church. Verse number 5. The Bible says there was in the days of Herod the excuse me, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years." It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. This morning I want to bring us a message entitled, very simply, Why Them? Why Them? Why Zacharias and Elizabeth? And so from this passage this morning I want to seek to answer that question why them? Father, we love you today. We're grateful for this time of year. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to, during this time of season to be reminded and to remind others uh, of what you have done for us, of the love that you have for us. And then, Father, this morning, I pray that we would be reminded of some of the great significant truths that we find in what we often consider the Christmas story. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Lord, it does matter. And I pray that we would see that today. Father, help the kids next door. Lord, I do pray if there would be one here today in this auditorium or a child in junior church this morning who needs to be saved, Father, I pray that today would be that day that they come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we commit these next few moments to you. We ask that you bless as only you can. And, Father, we'll certainly... Seek to give you the praise, honor, and glory for anything that you accomplish in our hearts and lives today. And Father, we pray this in the name that is above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. In the book of Luke, the story of the birth of Christ begins with the story of the forerunner. The story of the man that we know as John the Baptist. Immediately in verse number 5, we are introduced to three characters. We are introduced to Herod, the king. We are introduced to Zacharias and Elizabeth, the husband and wife. In verse number 5, we have a contrast of two different men. Herod was an Edomian, a descendant of Esau, while Zacharias was a descendant of Jacob. 
One, Herod, is a potentate filled with iniquity, while the other is a priest full of integrity. One is a monster. One is a minister. One is vicious. One is virtuous. One is going to have a quiver full of sons who are going to persecute Israel. One is going to be blessed with one son who is going to proclaim the good news to the nation of Israel. But there was a problem. They were well stricken in age and they had yet to have a son. You see that in verse number 7? The Bible says, And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken, excuse me, well stricken in years. That phrase, well stricken in years, oftentimes in the Bible is used to describe those who are over 80 years of age. Now that's well stricken in age, isn't it? And so the Bible uses that phrase, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, Zacharias and Elizabeth, maybe as they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they're praying, by the way, they're praying for a son. They're not just praying for a child, they're praying for a son, and we're going to see that in just a moment. And maybe year after year after year after year, they're praying for a child, they're praying for a son, and now they're well stricken in age, they're well stricken in years, but hey, maybe they think about the example of Abraham and Sarah and say, you know what, we still have hope. There's still the possibility that we can have a son because by the way, look if you would at verse number, for verse number 37 in Luke chapter number 1. What does the Bible say there? For with God nothing shall be what? Impossible. They knew that. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And so they're praying for a son. And so the angel Gabriel comes to deliver the news to Zacharias that his prayers have been heard. And will now be answered. But this will not be just any baby. This will be the messenger, the proclaimer. We call him the forerunner of the Lamb of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, as was prophesied in Malachi chapter number 3. Not just any baby. I mentioned several services ago that one of our little ones, a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night, they, they asked the question, Why Mary? Why did God choose Mary to be the one who was the mother of Christ? Why Mary? Well, I do believe there's an answer to it, and we're going to see that tonight. And it's very similar to what we see in the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Why Mary? Why Zacharias and Elizabeth to be the parents of John the Baptist? Why them... To be the parents of such an, a, a historic character with such great significance. I want you to hold your place here in Luke chapter number 1 and take your Bibles and go back with me to the book of Second Chronicles just real quickly. We'll come back to this verse again tonight, Lord willing, as we look at Mary tonight. But would you look at Second Chronicles chapter number 16? And I've already mentioned this several times, but I want to submit to us this morning. Listen, and, and we've lost this a little bit. In this perverted grace environment that we live in in the church, we've lost this truth. Look, life matters. Decisions and choices matter. Character matters. 
Obedience matters. Faithfulness matters. Faith matters. It matters what we do, how we live, the decisions that we make. It matters. Well, God's just going to do what God's going to do. Yes, and God can do anything. The Bible says, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And listen, I'm thankful that that there are people who did not grow up in homes like I grew up in. That, That there are individuals who didn't grow up in homes like you grew up in. And God saved them and He's using them wonderfully. I'm thankful for that. But what a tragedy it would be for God to place little ones in our homes desiring to use them mightily, and we don't do what we're supposed to do. It would be a tragedy for God to desire a ministry for you, sir, or you, ma'am, and He's placed you in a position to be taught and trained so that you could fulfill that ministry, and because of your choices, you never do. It matters. Second Chronicles chapter number 16. We have the story of King Asa. By the way, King Asa was a good king. The Bible tells us that. He was one of the good kings in the southern kingdom. All bad in the northern kingdom, mostly bad in the southern kingdom, but there were a few good. Asa was one of those. But Asa didn't finish well. Asa made some bad decisions. And the Bible says in verse number 7 of 2 Chronicles chapter number 16, And at that time Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said unto him, Notice this, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God. Therefore is the host of the king of Syria Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host, with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because thou didst rely on the Lord... He delivered them into thine hand. Asa, you had to go up against the Ethiopians. You had to go up against the Lubims. They were greater than the Syrians. Did not you defeat them when you trusted in me? Then why did you have to trust someone else? Notice what he says in verse number 9. This is where I wanted to get to. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. By the way, that's still true today. That hasn't changed to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Yeah, but pastor, I thought you taught none of us are perfect. Absolutely right. We're all sinners, none of us perfect. Let's let's go to another verse real quickly, and then we'll go back to Luke chapter 1. Go to the book of Deuteronomy with me if you would. What does it mean when it speaks of that being perfect toward him. Deuteronomy chapter number 18. Deuteronomy chapter number 18. And this morning, if the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, and they do, then what did the Lord see in the Zacharias home? By the way, this isn't a message about parents per se this morning. It's not. So please don't, don't, don't get that in your mind. This is a message about the fact whether it's a mom or a dad or individuals, whether your kids are gone out of the home. It's not a message about parents per se. It's a message about the fact that God's eyes run to and fro and He's looking for individuals whose hearts are perfect toward Him. Because when He finds them, He wants to show Himself strong in their lives. 
That, that's what the, and whether you're a parent, he's running to and fro his eyes and he's looking for parents who are training and who are raising and who are doing. By the way, not just throwing their kids out in the front yard and, and saying, well, y'all will figure it out. Hey, when me and my brother were thrown out in the front yard to do whatever we wanted to do, we figured some things out, but it wasn't always good. And by the way, we figured a lot of things out, and we got ourselves in a lot of trouble. I almost burnt the house down one day because I was just out in the yard figuring some things out on my own. Now, by the way, that's not the way my mom and dad parented. I'm just saying that doesn't work. Because kids, what does the Bible say? What is bound in the heart of a child? Foolishness. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. That's why it is foolish to think that kids can make their own decisions. Because foolishness is bound in their heart. And it's the rod of correction that drives it out. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. That's why they need an adult. That's why children need some adults in the room to make decisions. I mean, we ought to let the kids make their own decisions. No, we shouldn't. God gave them to you for you to steward. God gave them to me for me to steward and manage. Deuteronomy chapter number 18. Now, I'm getting some funny looks. And that's okay because we're going to preach today. And if you're with me, fine. If you're not, look, I'm going to just give you what the Bible says this morning. Deuteronomy chapter number 18 and verse number 9. Look, we have allowed this perverted grace environment to infiltrate our, our theology. And the eyes of the Lord are still looking to and fro. And you know what He's not finding? He's not finding hearts that are perfect toward Him. Because, hey, I'm under grace, and it doesn't matter. And by the way, yes, before you come to me after the service and say, well, it's grace that gives us the ability to do what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. But most people, most Christians today, do not look at Titus chapter number 2 and allow the grace of God to teach them anything. It's the grace of God that teaches us. It's the grace of God that saves us, is it not? Absolutely. And it's the grace of God that teaches us. But most people, hey, I'm satisfied with salvation. And they leave it there and they never allow the grace of God to teach them to live soberly, righteously, to live godly, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And they never allow the grace of God to teach them. Deuteronomy chapter number 18, verse number 9. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. By the way, that's not the message this morning either, but can I say something? Those are still bad. Those are still wrong. That hasn't changed. Verse number 12, that's the Old Testament, Pastor. Yeah. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For all that do these things, notice this, this hasn't changed either. For all that do these things are 
an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Okay? Verse 13. Thou shalt be what? Perfect with the Lord thy God. You know what God is looking for? He's looking for individuals whose hearts are perfect toward Him. He's looking for individuals who are submitted, who are reverent and obedient toward Him. That's what He's looking for. By the way, He's not looking for individuals just just to, to mark off the checklist. That's not what we're talking about this morning. Because if you're like me, whenever I make a checklist, I always forget something. It's not about just just ticking off all the checklists. No, no, no. It's about being obedient and reverent and compliant and submissive to the entirety of God's Word. Not just a checklist some man has made. No, no, no. Jesus Christ is the measuring stick. Now, let's take our Bibles and go back to Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter number 1. Why them? That's the message this morning. Why them? Let me give you four, three reasons this morning. Then we'll look at number four, what they're blessed with because of it. Number one this morning, excuse me, the Zacharias home was first of all committed to the course. They were committed to the course. The Bible says in verse uh, verse number five, there was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abiah. Now by the way, that speaks of the course of the priest. Zacharias was a priest. Okay, and, and there were 24 different courses of those priests. Now, only, only four of those courses, Abiah, also known as Abijah, was the eighth course of those 24 courses. Now, when the Israelites came back to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity, only four of the courses came back. The other courses were filled by other priests that had returned from the captivity. But, but Zacharias was a priest of the course of Abijah. And Zacharias was committed to the course. He was committed to the office. He was committed to the order. Here's the point this morning, very simply. Zacharias was committed to the ministry and the office and the responsibility that God had given him to do. He was a priest. Now, by the way, he was a priest, but he was also married to a lady who was the daughter of Aaron. What an honor. To have a family with a, a, a wife that was from the line of Aaron. And then the father, the husband, who was a priest after the course of Abijah. The Bible says there in, I believe it's verse, uh, verse 13. Or excuse me, no, no, I'm sorry, verse 8. Verse 8. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office... His lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. He was committed to the office. He was committed to the order. He was committed very simply to the course. The Zacharias home was committed to the course. And here's the truth. They were faithful. They were faithful to what God had given them to do. Now, by the way, the Bible says, listen, hey, are you with me this morning? Hey, Christmas is still a week away. You still got a week to shop. Stop thinking about it. And I know that because some of y'all aren't even here this morning. Your mind, I can see it. I've been doing this long enough. I know everything you're thinking. And Alex is trying to trip me up here. I know everything you're thinking. I can see it all over your face. I'm just kidding. 
they were faithful. God had given this home, specifically Zacharias, he had given him a responsibility. By the way, think about this. He was to burn incense. That was his job specifically in this course, specifically at this time. He's going in to burn the incense. Can you imagine what he smelled like when he came out? Can I give us a little side note here? Can people smell the worship of God on you? Man, when he burned the incense... And the fra- By the way, the Bible says that it was to be a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. The smell that would have been on his clothing when he would have come out from burning the incense. That was his, that was his service of worship. And he was just faithful in it. We've, we say this all the time. I'm not trying to be repetitious, but, but I am trying to be repetitious because that's what faithfulness is sometimes. And I think we even mentioned it last Sunday, but, but many of our days are the same. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. But many of our days are just days full of small things the Bible talks about. Moms, aren't your days many times full of the same things? You get up, you get the kids up, you get them showered, you get them dressed, or you try to get them showered, you try to get them dressed. Get them fed. You do school with them. You let them play. I mean, it's just, it's very similar sometimes. Men, you get up, you go to your job. You get up, you get ready, you go to your job. You work, you're faithful, you come home, you take care of your family. You're faithful, you're faithful, you're faithful. They were committed to the course. We're very similar in our 21st century American Christianity. We're very similar to the Athenians in the book of Acts that we just spoke about recently. We're always looking for some new thing. And the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. We're always looking for some new... And, and please, again, you always have to make these caveats because people will always correct you after you're done. I understand we have different... We live in a different day... We, we have ceiling fans, we have lights, and we, we have live stream, and we have all these things different than they may have had in their church services 40 or 50 years ago. I'm not speaking about that today. But we're always looking for some new doctrine or some new theology. When there's nothing new. It's just we don't study what we already have. Somebody gives us some, they spoon feed us something simple, a new theology or a new doctrine, and we, we grasp onto it instead of studying what the Bible says. And if we studied what the Bible says, we would know, ooh, that's bad. That, that's heresy. That's not even a good doctrine. You see, they were committed to the course. Zacharias was committed to being a priest. Zacharias was faithful to the Lord in being a priest. Zacharias was faithful in his worship to God. Number one, the Zacharias home was committed to the course. Number two, the Zacharias home was obedient to the ordinances. The Zacharias home was obedient 
to the ordinances. Look what the Bible says in verse number 6. And they were both righteous, two words, righteous and blameless. Righteous and blameless. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They were obedient to the ordinances. If you're taking notes, let me give you this thought. A divine fear will always result in a devoted faith. A divine fear. And when we say that, we're not talking about a cowering in the corner fear. We're talking about a reverence for God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. It says it in another verse. The fear of the Lord. Does that mean that fear that I'm cowering? No, it's reverence. But listen, there is that idea of fear because He is omnipotent. He is almighty. He's omniscient. He knows everything I do, everything I think, every moment of the day. He's God. But it's reverence toward God. And the Zacharias home was obedient to the ordinances. Would you look there at verse 6 again? And they were both righteous before who? Before God. That, that's what's important. Well, I want people to think good of me. Okay, that, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But what matters is, what does God think? Let's go even further. What does God know? Because we can fool each other, can't we? But we can't fool God. And the Bible says they were righteous before God. They walked, the Bible says in verse number 6, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But pastor, you preach all the time, none of those saves us. That's exactly right. And John the Baptist is going to be the one who, who preaches about the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. But just because that doesn't save us doesn't mean we ought not live in it and by it. And the Bible says they were obedient to the ordinances. Not some of them, not picking and choosing, walking in what? All. Do you see that? Do you see that in verse 6? Walking in all. The commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They were obedient to the ordinances. They were committed to... Why then? Why not some other parents down the road, down down the street in Jerusalem? Why not somebody else? Because they were committed to the course. Because they were obedient to the ordinances. Remember 2 Chronicles 16.9? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth. What's he looking for? He's looking for someone whose heart is perfect, not sinless. Many times in the scriptures that word perfect, it speaks of the idea of maturity. Whose heart is perfect toward him. Obedient to the ordinances, number three. Not only were they committed to the course, they were obedient to the ordinances, number three. And let me back up just a second.
we see the word in verse number 6, the word all. And I submit to us again this morning, it's no difference for us today, different for us today, excuse me. We don't get to pick and choose what we obey and what we don't obey. There are a lot of people today who say, if it's in the Old Testament, I don't have to obey it. What are the two great commandments? What's the second one? Do you understand that those two commandments are the Ten Commandments wrapped up in two? Because when I love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, and mind, or with my, all my heart, soul, and strength in other passages, then I'm not going to have any other gods before me. When, when I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to bear false witness. I'm not going to covet. I'm not going to murder. I'm not going to steal their stuff. I'm going to honor the Sabbath day. Now, I understand we don't celebrate the Sabbath. We celebrate the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. But the principle is still there. I'm going to honor it. You see, there's two, but it wraps up all ten in two in a nice package. God hasn't done away with those. Because I think it's funny that we fuss and we complain and we yell and scream... They took the Ten Commandments out of school. But then we teach in our churches today that the Ten Commandments don't matter. Which is it? They do or they don't. Man, our schools are such a mess because they took the Ten Commandments out and they took God out. Yeah, and that's why our homes are a mess too. Because we took the Ten Commandments out. And we took God out. Number one, the Zacharias home was committed to the course. The Zacharias home was obedient to the ordinance. And by the way, that's why individual lives are a mess today. Because we've taken the Ten Commandments out. We've taken God out. The Zacharias home was obedient to the ordinances. Number three, the Zacharias home was persistent in prayer. The Zacharias home was persistent in prayer. Look at verse number seven. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they were... Uh, excuse me, they both were now well stricken in years. Verse number 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. What prayer? What prayer? And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall do what? He gives the answer to the prayer. He tells us what they had been praying for. They had been praying for a son. He said, the the angel Gabriel said, look, Zacharias, fear not. He calls him by name. For thy prayer is heard. Maybe, by by the way, maybe when he he walks in there to burn the incense, he's praying. Now, no doubt, he and Elizabeth have been praying for years. No doubt. But maybe that day when he walked in to put, to burn the incense, to give that sweet smelling savor to God, maybe as he walks in there, he's praying. Lord, will you give us a son? 
I know we're well stricken in years. I know we're past the age of having children. But Lord, would you give us a son? Maybe would you give us a son like you did, like you did Abraham and Sarah? Lord, would you do that for us? They were persistent in prayer. Two things, they prayed for a son and they, they prayed in spite, in spite of their old age. They prayed for a son and they prayed in spite. Here's a wonderful truth that we find here. God gave them and answered their prayer exactly right on time. God's timing isn't our timing. Or, or our timing isn't God's timing. God's timing's perfect. That, no doubt they've been praying for a son and praying for a son and praying for a son. And I know how I am in my prayer year after year after year. I'm, I'm prone just to give up. Lord, you haven't answered it. I just don't think you're going to... Maybe this is you're telling me no. Maybe all this praying and I'm not seeing the answer. Maybe God, you're telling me no. They're still praying. Zacharias, fear not. The Bible says in verse number 12, when he saw the angel, when he saw Gabriel, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Gabriel tells him, Zacharias, fear not, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Zacharias' home was persistent in prayer. They prayed for a son. They, excuse me, they prayed in spite, in spite of their old age. The Bible says in Galatians 4, verse number 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. John wasn't going to come until it was time for Jesus Christ to come. Perfect timing. When the fullness of the time was come. But they kept praying. And they kept praying. God, is it time yet? God, are you going to give us a son? God, we sure love a son. Pastor, you think they knew who the son would, would be? I don't, I don't believe so. They know it now. Maybe they're thinking it could be us. If Zacharias knew his Old Testament, and I believe he did... He could have known, hey, the, uh, this, this, it's time. The Messiah, it's time for the Messiah to come. Someone is going to have to be the mother of the Messiah and someone is going to have to be the mother of the forerunner, the messenger, the proclaimer of the Christ that's going to come. So maybe Elizabeth, maybe my wife, Lord, she could be the mother, she might even could be the mother of the Messiah. Now, she couldn't be because she wasn't a virgin. But they're praying. They're persistent in prayer. They prayed for a son. They prayed in spite. Let me ask you, what are you praying for this morning? What is it that you're praying for this morning? Pray for it. Be persistent in it. And pray in spite of everything else that's going on. Or in spite of the circumstance, the human eyes that we look through so often. Pray in spite of those. Why them? The Zacharias home was committed to the course. The Zacharias home was obedient to the ordinances. The Zacharias home was persistent in prayer. And number four. Zacharias' home was favored with the forerunner. The Zacharias' home was favored with the forerunner. 
By the way, in verse number 13, he said, Zacharias, you're going to call his name John. John means God shows favor or God is gracious. Now, when John is born, they say his name's going to be John, and everybody's like, no, that's not a family name. You don't have anyone in your family named John. Probably they said he should be Zacharias Jr. Zach Jr. Now by the way, Zacharias still can't speak at this point. In the very next verse, in verse number 14, Zacharias did, does something, and some may disagree with me on, that, on this, and that's okay. But I believe Zacharias has a little lapse of faith in verse 14. Because he says, give me a sign. Zacharias, you don't need a sign. You've, you have the Old Testament. You know this is true. And so Gabriel says, okay, I'll give you a sign. And here's the sign. You're going to be dumb, which simply meant you're not going to be able to speak until the baby's born. Now, by the way, when does Zacharias begin to speak again? Okay, when John is born, but more specific. When they name him. When everybody is, is, is kind of what we're just talking about. Not John. I'm not going to name him John. And Zacharias writes down, no, his name is John. And the Bible says immediately he can speak. I believe his lapse of faith in verse number 14, his faith has been increased. And now at that moment when his faith, when his faith is demonstrated and exhibited, his tongue is loosed and he's able to speak again. The Zacharias home was favored with the forerunner. We're not going to read all this. Uh, we stopped in verse number 13. Let's look at verse number 14. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, Thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Is that Christ? Why do you need a sign? He makes him dumb. And the people waited for Zacharias, verse 21, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. It came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. His course was done. He was finished with his ministration there in the temple. What did he do? He went home. Went back home to the hill country. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and laid herself, excuse me, and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. We drop down to verse 39. Mary visits Elizabeth. And then you come down to verse 57. And you have the birth of John the Baptist. Verse number 76, would you look there? And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto His people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, 
whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The Zacharias home was favored with the forerunner. They were trusted to train the prophet who would prepare. They were trusted to train the prophet who would prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the Messiah, for the one who had come to take away the sin of the world. They were trusted to train the prophet who would prepare. They were favored with the forerunner. They were trusted to train. You say, well, pastor, he was filled with the Holy Spirit from the, from the womb. Absolutely. But his parents still trained him. He still lived in his parents' home. By the way, our kids, when they get saved, they have the Holy Spirit. Yes, no. They still need mom and dad, don't they? They were trusted to train the prophet who would prepare. So let me ask us this morning. Almighty God has something great for you to do. Almighty God has something wonderful He may want your kids to do. Are you committed to the course, to the ministry, to, the, to be faithful to what God has given you to do? Are you obedient in the ordinances? Are you persistent in prayer? They were trusted to train. I'll tell you one thing. One thing that stirs me and moves me to live the way I live, whether, whether it's as a pastor or just as a Christian, and I want you to think about this this morning. One of the things that stirs me to do what I do and not to do many of the things I don't do, even though some of them would be okay to do, is because I never want to undermine what another parent is trying to teach in their home. You ever think about that? In your actions, do you ever give one single thought about other parents? And the biblical truths that they're trying to teach their children... That, that ought to stir you. That ought to stir every single one of us to greater obedience. Especially as adults. We're supposed to be the adults in the room. We're supposed to be the ones who know the Word of God and who lead and guide others to know and live the Word of God. Do we ever for a moment, do we ever think about another brother or sister in Christ who is doing their best to try to live out the Word of God and try to teach biblical truths to their family, trying to teach biblical truths to themselves. Do we ever think about that for a moment, that maybe, just maybe, the way that I live undermines that? We ought to think about that. John the Baptist, or excuse me, Zacharias and Elizabeth, are rearing and raising the prophet who would proclaim 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Don't you think that thought, because they knew it. They knew who He was. They knew who He would be. And don't you think every moment of their lives, they're thinking about that? I don't want to do anything that would deter John from his course. I don't, I don't want to let a, a, a profane word come out of my mouth. We're, we're definitely not going to have any alcohol in the house. Because he's not supposed to have it. And by the way, neither are we. We're not going to do anything to undermine this, this boy who's going to be the prophet, who's going to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. He's going to preach and proclaim the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. So let me ask us adults, are we doing anything to undermine uh, another child or are we doing anything to undermine another adult in what God is trying to teach them and trying to lead them and guide them to do? Yes, and I know, I, I get it. We have Christian liberty. But can I say this? We have liberty to do right. See, again, we, we have mistaken that to mean I have liberty to live any way that I want to live. No. When, before I got saved, there was only one way I could live. It was in the flesh. It was in the way of sin. But after salvation and after the Holy Spirit came and He resides in me, now I can do what's right. Now I can live the abundant Christian life. Now, as Romans 6 says, I don't have to give my members as servants to sin. Now they're servants to righteousness, Romans 6 says. And I can live right by the grace of Almighty God. They were righteous and blameless. They were committed to the course. They were obedient to the ordinances. Why them? They were persistent in prayer. And they were favored with the forerunner. It matters. It matters how we live. And it matters we ought to think about what we do and why we do it and what we say and in what vein we say it and whether we're influencing positively, scripturally, or whether we're influencing negatively when it comes to the spiritual life. I could start listing some things this morning because I have some things in my mind and I'm not going to do that. I'm just encouraging us this morning, we ought to be careful. And careful is not even the right word. We ought to be edifying. We ought to edify each other. Who knows what God has? Who knows what God has for these young men right here? Well, wouldn't it be something if all four of these young men, five young men, um, six young men, all the young men in the children's church and the young, wouldn't it be something if these young men, these young men, wouldn't it be something? if they blazed a trail of evangelism or preaching for God Almighty. 
And all I'm saying this morning is God help us not to do anything to deter them. If God is, is working in that vein and wants them to do that, God help us not to do anything to deter them. God help us not to make the ministry look bad. God help us for a young man who's trying to live right and do right. We come along and influence them in a negative way. In an unscriptural way. Hey, have you seen this or have you heard this? You want to listen to this with me? Now the right thing is to say, no, I'm a man of God. I'm not going to do that. But for a 12, 13, 14, that's kind of hard sometimes, isn't it? And as adults, we need to be edifying. Because God has trusted us to train. Who? We don't know. It's not going to be the forerunner. He's already come. Malachi chapter 3 prophesied him. John came in the, in the New Testament, Luke chapter number. He's already come. We're not training the forerunner. But we're training soldiers for Christ. God help us to do it. Amen. Father, thank you for the time you've given us. Help us today. Michelle's coming to the piano. I'm going to ask you to stand your feet if you would. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Boy, it matters. I know the world tells us different today. I, I know even the church world many, many times tells us something different today that it doesn't matter. That God's going to do what He's going to do and it doesn't. we don't have any influence. Well, if we don't have any influence, then let's give our kids to somebody else and, and let's, let's go do something else. No, God has given them to us to train. God has given us other adults, other young adults, other Christians. They may be older in age to train. Who knows what God wants them to do? Well, I don't know. I'm not their Holy Spirit. But I know this. I don't want us to ever get in the way of what God desires to do with them. Why them? 2 Chronicles 16, 9. You know why them? Why Zacharias and Elizabeth? Because the, the eyes of the Lord ran to and fro throughout all the earth, looking for someone whose heart was perfect toward Him, who He could show Himself strong in their lives. And you know who He found? Zacharias and Elizabeth. We'll see tonight, you know who else he found? He found Mary. He found Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Lord is still doing that today. His eyes are running to and fro and he's looking. He's looking for someone whose heart is perfect toward him. Not sinless perfection. It's not what we're preaching today. But someone whose heart is obedient and reverent toward God Almighty. He's looking. He's looking for someone that he can show himself strong in their life. He's looking for a young man whose heart is perfect toward him, who he's going to show himself strong and allow him to be a preacher or allow him just to be a good husband and a good daddy and to show himself powerful in his life. Or maybe a young lady to show himself powerful in her life so she can be a great mama, a great wife, a great servant in the house of God. 
I simply came to tell you this morning it matters. Why them? Because it matters. Why her? Why Mary? Because it matters. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro. It matters whether we're committed to the course. It matters whether we're obedient to the ordinances. It matters whether we're persistent in prayer. And isn't it a beautiful thing that even in a small lapse of faith, God still blessed Zacharias and Elizabeth. How shall I know this? We're well stricken in age. Gabriel said, I'll show you. You're going to be dumb until the baby is born. Still blessed. Favored with the forerunner. Take time to be holy, the song says. The world rushes on and it does. That's why we need to take time to be holy. Don't let this perverted grace crowd make you scared of holiness. It's a Bible doctrine. It's one of the great attributes of our God. Father, thank you for the time you've given us this morning. Thank you most of all for your word. Thank you for the example that we find in Zacharias and Elizabeth. These weren't just random people that were picked out of a crowd. These were individuals where your eyes ran to and fro and you saw them. And you desired to show yourself strong in their lives and that's exactly what you did. Well stricken in years, they still had a son and not just any son, but the forerunner, the preparer of the way, the prophet of the Lamb which taketh away the sin of the world. Father, may you help every single one of us this morning, man, woman, boy, or girl. Father, would you remind us this morning that it matters. Why us? Why could it be us one day? Because your eyes are still running to and fro. Father, help us today. Father, bring us back tonight. Looking forward to hear from your word once again. And we'll thank you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much. You're dismissed.